0: We're glad that you're here today with us on this Sunday morning at Arise Baptist Church. It's a blessing today to have our uh, missions conference beginning this morning. Glad to have Brother Ron White with us this morning. He'll be preaching for us in a little bit. God has used him for many years uh, to serve him faithfully all around the world. And uh, I think somebody's leaning on the keyboard back there. It's getting really exciting on the screen. So I want to wake you up this morning. All right, but uh, Lord has used him all over the place, and I met him when I was going to seminary. He was one of my teachers in Kansas City, and so thankful for what he taught me. And uh, he he taught my church planting class, so this is a little result of it, Brother White. Glad that you be with us this morning. He was here two years ago for our very first mission conference, and uh, so wanted to have him come back again this year. And uh, we have a lot of special things planned this week for our mission conference. He'll be speaking this morning and tonight be with us as well for our international dinner. My house was already smelling international this morning as food is being prepared for tonight. And uh, I know that you'll enjoy eating with us at five o'clock. Be with us here for that. And then we'll have a message as well tonight. Also, a special presentation from uh, a friend of mine. Brother Robert Bottom who works in the jail ministry here in Houston, and uh, I know that you'll enjoy hearing from him tonight as well. We have some folks in our church, the Remberts are involved in that. Brother Ken works down there every week. And so we wanna hear how we can be better involved and pray and serve and go and be a part of that ministry. So I know you wanna hear that tonight. We also, uh, this morning as well, I believe, will have a testimony from David Cripps as well. And God is blessing them. I'll let him tell you more about what God's doing in New Life Baptist Church as they get started. Not too far down the road from us, and we're excited about being a part of that work. Tomorrow, we have a couple more missionaries joining us. Brother Don Sisk is flying in tomorrow. He's coming all the way from Honolulu, Hawaii to be with us. Uh, that's just where he's next on his journey. I think he just kind of goes around the globe telling people about the Lord. And so we're next on his list, and we're excited that he's going to come in, be with us. God has used him all around the world for many years. And uh, some of you have read his book, Fourth Quarter. He told me he's working on another one. Brother White said he just finished it called Overtime. So if you think, wow, I've lived all four quarters of my life. Now I'm in overtime. You'll want to come here, brother, sis, tomorrow night, brother White tonight, and this morning as well. Also, be praying. One of our missionaries, he was scheduled to come in this morning, but he had to change plans. He's planning to come in tomorrow. Brother Dan Garlick and his wife are coming. Brother Garlick, we've been praying for him. He's going through some very severe uh, physical difficulties as he's going through cancer treatments right now. And so it's going to be a privilege even that he would come and be with us. So he'll be speaking on Tuesday night as well and singing for us in English and in Spanish, he told me. So he's he's got a song he can sing for us. He's worked in Latin America for many, many years serving the Lord there. So we just have a lot of fun things coming up this week as we are challenged about the Lord's work here and all around the world. Our theme for this week, we're taking from the verse Acts eight which the Bible tells us as Jesus was speaking to His disciples right before He ascended up into heaven. He told them, He said, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And I'm not going to preach the message from there this morning, but we know that all of this is in vain unless we have the power of God upon us. And we need the Holy Spirit even working in our lives this morning. And I hope that you've come to church today not just to hear about mission work around the world, but to be challenged in your own heart about what God would have you to do, and then to be encouraged to know that God gives us the power to accomplish what He wants us to do. He said that you'll receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And so we want to take really three things from that verse as we think about what God would have us do. There's work to be done right here in our Jerusalem, and you're going to hear about what God, I believe, would have us to do as our church to better reach Houston, Texas with the gospel, because missions is not just over there. Missions is right here. And then he says "Judea, Samaria." You're going to hear how we can better reach some of the surrounding areas, whether it's helping another church get started or, or ministering in a jail ministry or whatever God would have us in a little bit broader sense. And then we will definitely be challenged about the need to reach the uttermost part of the earth because there truly are untold millions who have never heard the gospel. When I was in college, our president would challenge us often with this thought. He would say, the most sobering reality in the world today is that people are dying and going to hell today. And we need to keep that in the forefront of our mind as we rejoice in what God has done for us, and then be able to share the good news with others, both here and around the world. So I know you'll be challenged this week. You'll be encouraged this week. We'll enjoy a lot of fellowship together this week. But I hope that some results come out of this week, that we don't just become hearers of the Word, but doers also, and we do whatever God wants us to do, whether that's giving of ourselves physically, in our time, our energy, going somewhere, whether it's giving financially, giving in an offering or things like that, we'll be taking up offerings throughout the week for our missionaries and missions, or whether it's uh, giving through our time of prayer or giving in any other way that God would have us to give, whether it's here, in this area, or around the world. We want to be faithful to what God has for us. At the end of the service this morning, James Collard will come and share a little bit more with us about that. But at this time, David, if you can make it up here, he's the one-legged preacher right now. We're going to have him come and uh, share a, just for a few minutes what God is doing. After he does that, I'll come back up and we'll dismiss the boys and girls out to Junior Church and then have Brother White come and preach.
1: Thank you. Good morning to Rise Baptist Church. It is such an honor to be here. Thank you, Pastor Will, for letting us come again and just share with you, uh, what, share with you what God is doing uh, through New Life Baptist Church and where God has brought us so far and where he's taking us. And is, this, is this on? Can you all hear me? Okay, great. Um, So this morning I'm looking forward to sharing with you where God has brought us so far and then tomorrow I'm looking forward to sharing with you where we're going. Uh, But whenever I think about what God has been doing in our lives as a family and as a a church plant, uh, something that I'm realizing very quickly is that it's God's story that he's writing, it's God's goodness, it's something that he's doing and it's definitely not our own. And that's something that we're thankful for and that's what I want to share with you this morning. Uh, it's amazing to me to think that God would call us and that God would use us and that God would allow us to be channels uh, of his grace, like we sang about just a few moments ago. And uh, about, I guess it was close to a year ago that God uh, put it in our hearts Uh, to plant a church in Houston, Texas. And uh, as we've been traveling around the country, a big question that we get is, why would you plant a church in Houston, Texas? Why would you start a church in Texas? And for us, it really boiled down to a few reasons. The first reason came from the Bible, Acts 1-8. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And for five years, we served in ministry in Baytown, Texas. For those of you who didn't know that, for the past five years, we served in Baytown, Texas. And something that we realized was that we were doing what we could to reach our Jerusalem. And we were doing what we could to reach the uttermost part of the earth. We were doing everything that we could for that. Uh, But then for us, there were uh, nearly three million people, 30 30 miles down the road from us, uh, that needed to hear the good news that Jesus loves them and that he died to save them. So God used his word uh, to challenge our hearts to start a church in Houston And then God also used for us, and this is something that all of you know, but something I've been sharing around the country, is that uh, statistics show that Houston is in desperate need of more church plants. Uh, It's in in desperate need of more churches. Uh, So inside the loop, which is where we're starting over in the north side area, uh, over off Fulton, close down by Quitman, uh, uh, down there, there are 650,000 people inside the loop. And uh, as far as we know, there's not any churches of similar faith and practice to a Rise Baptist church. So we want to go and start uh, another church like this one. Uh, down in Northside, and so God used that for us. The statistically speaking, and then Houston ranks in the bottom part of the country of Bible-minded cities in America. Uh, so, of all the cities, a lot of people think you know Houston, the South. It's the Bible Belt. There's churches everywhere, and there are lots of church buildings everywhere. But the gospel uh, and the impact of God's word is not really being felt in Houston. Uh, so we want to we want to help and do something about that. And then God used for us just personal stories, personal people that we've met along the way who grew up in this area. Uh, We showed you a while back the the story of Kayla, a young lady who got saved who grew up here. And whenever Adriana led her to Christ, she asked her this question, have you ever heard the word gospel before? And she said, no, I haven't. So Adriana explained to her the gospel and she trusted Jesus as her Savior. Uh, Two ladies that got saved at Christmas this year, at our Christmas service this year, whenever, whenever, after the service, we talked to them, and when Adriana was talking to them, they said, we never knew how Christmas connected to Jesus, Uh, that's what they, that's, that was their testimony, that they didn't know how it connected to Jesus, and just people who are, who have grown up here, who have lived here for a long time, not knowing the message of the Bible, not knowing about the love of Christ, and we want to do something about that, so God called us, and then it's been amazing how God's has been leading us, uh, so we had plans. We had big plans of what we thought was going to happen, and then God just keeps on shaking up our plans. So one way we thought we were going to travel uh, on on traditional deputation for a year, and then we'd start a church in late 2020, early 2021, and then God just kind of shook that up for us. Some of you, most of y'all, probably probably remember uh, the outreach service that we had last July. Many of you helped with that, canvassed for that, and we're so grateful for that. Um, and it was just an amazing thing to see people from all around the community come, show up at that service, and then say, "When do we get to meet again?" And God just uh, just intensified our burden uh, by by a hundredfold. And then we started having services throughout the fall down in Northside, and God's been blessing that. Uh, Some people have been saved. Uh, We've developed some relationships, and God's just uh, been putting just a burden in our heart. And then this fall, God uh, just worked in our hearts and made it very clear to us through his word that instead of starting late 2020, early 2021, that we needed to go ahead. And uh, I remember when Brad, Brad was at our first first Bible study, and he said, you know that a church was just born, right? And uh, so... But it's just been amazing, God God has done a work. We started having Bible studies and God put it in our heart that we need to go ahead and start and we are officially starting on Easter Sunday. We had our first service last Sunday, uh, and then we're gonna have a couple of more getting ready for when we meet every single week. Uh, so we had a great time. The only difficult thing about last Sunday's first service was that we have to wait for a month and a half till we can do it again. Uh, so it's it's just been amazing how God's led, and then uh, God has provided for us, and we're so thankful for that. And God has primarily used, it's been amazing, pretty much every story that I'm sharing nowadays about how God is leading us and directing us, it usually ties back to Arise Baptist Church in some way. Uh, So from from Brad going out and door knocking with me and having Bible studies and y'all helping us canvas thousands of doors in that neighborhood, uh, to God just made it clear for us that he could provide for us and take care of us when God provided for us a vehicle. Uh, And that was uh, through somehow through Arise. Pastor Will called me and said, hey, there's somebody that I know that wants to take care of you guys and take care of your car, if y'all remember last Summer, our car broke down. A mechanic destroyed our transmission in our car, and God gave us a new one uh, for deputation. That was amazing. Uh, God has provided uh, just in miraculous ways, and um, we're so excited. Uh, God has provided. It looks like God is providing a building for us uh, to meet in, which is just that is just a miracle. Somebody asked me this week in Florida. Somebody said, "How did you get a church building?" Uh, and how did you get a church building for a church plant? Like, is something that I could replicate? Uh, and I was like, uh, Listen, it was just, it was just God. God just, God just provides. God does amazing things. Uh, we serve a wonderful Savior. And through this whole process, and there's lots more stories that I could share. One is my Achilles rupturing my Achilles. Uh, God just kind of shaking things up. I ruptured my Achilles for Christmas. Uh, so I, whenever my father-in-law drove me back to the house, and then I got, dr- whenever I was driven down to the states. Uh, to go to the ER, I said, I don't know how you plant a church with a ruptured Achilles. But something that God's been teaching me over the past couple of months is that it's not my job to build his church. It's his job to build his church. And God is just strengthening us. God has been, uh, just, God has been wonderful to us up to, up to this point. And we know he's going to continue to be so good to us and faithful to us, just like he's always been Uh, But something that we've learned uh, just throughout all this, and I know that this is just a lot of kind of random stories, and as I'm sharing it, I'm just like, it is, I'm still in disbelief as to all that God's been doing over the past year is this, is we can trust our Savior. Uh, He has a plan for reaching uh, Houston. He has a plan for reaching the world, and we just need to trust Him, and we need to obey Him, and we need to follow Him because He has good plans. He has good plans, and we can't always see it. We don't always know five steps down the road, like like I would like to. But He just leads, and when we trust in the Lord with all our heart, and lean not into our own understanding in all our ways, we acknowledge Him. He directs our path. Um, so we're so we're so thankful for what God is doing. We serve a wonderful Savior. And in this week, if I could just challenge us as we consider our our responsibility.
0: And uh, they have a little boy on the way, by the way, too. So they're going to plant a church and have a baby. They're doing it all at the same time. We're excited for them. And so pray for them. And we'll be sharing more ways this week that you can help with them. I've asked them to speak again later in the week, share some of the needs and things that they have so we can be praying about and, and uh, how we can be involved in that. Well, I believe now is the time we're going to send our children out with uh, Josh and Anna Tanner. And uh, they're headed out to Junior Church if you'd like them to go. And if they're staying in here with us, let's take our Bibles this morning. Be ready. Brother White, you come and preach to us at what the Lord has laid on your heart. And uh, thank you for coming all this way to be a blessing to me and to this church. You come and preach for us now. Romans 10:13.
2: Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm thankful that that is an eternal truth that works everywhere and anywhere we go. I am thrilled to be back again with you. It is my joy to be a part of this missions conference. I am especially excited to be sharing this conference with Dr. Don Sisk. A little over fifty-five years ago in Japan, I first met Dr. Sisk. He came, I came to Japan on January the 5th, 1956, and he came February. And we've been serving the Lord together for all of these years, in different places, yet serving the Lord together. I love your theme. It kind of threw me a curve when I first heard it. How do you tie walking worthy into a challenge for getting the gospel to the whole world? But I began to think about my own life. The path that I have trod has brought me nearer God. Though oft it led through sorrow's gates. Though not the way I'd choose, in my way I might lose the joy that yet for me awaits. Submission to the will of Him who guides me still is surety of his love revealed. My soul shall rise above this world in which I move. I conquer only where I yield. Not what I wish to be, nor where I wish to go. For who am I that I should choose my way? The Lord shall choose for me. Tis better far, I know. So let him bid me go or stay. That was a song that was sung at my wedding. My wife Odessa was soon to be my wife Odessa. We had just finished the rehearsal for our wedding ceremony. And after that rehearsal was over, we were all gathered around the organ at that time and just singing different favorite songs as we were getting ready to go for the rehearsal dinner. And one young lady sang that song I just quoted to you. And I looked at Odessa and she looked at me and without saying a word we knew we without saying a word to each other we knew we wanted that song at our wedding. Now her aunt Odessa was the coordinator for our wedding. Do you know the difference between an aunt and an aunt? My wife's aunt, Odessa, she had paid for the wedding gown as a gift because Odessa was her namesake. She was providing the expenses for our wedding reception. So she looked at me and she said, Oh, we can't change the ceremony now. We've already printed the programs. Everything is already ready. You can't change it. And I looked at her and I said, as graciously as I knew how, it is our wedding. (laughs) (laughs) So we had that song song sung. And through these many years, we sought to live our lives following those words because they are scriptural, biblical words. Not what I wish to be, nor where I wish to go. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You see, our lives should be lived following the orders of the Lord. The only thing we should ever say as the Lord leads, whether it be in church planting or whatever it be, is, Lord, what would you have me to do? And then when he begins to reveal that will for our lives, we say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's what I'll do. You see, because if we are going to walk worthy of the Lord in anything, we're going to have to do it step by step. Walking doesn't involve jumping from one thing to another. It involves a step-by-step process. Psalm 37, if you'll open your Bibles, please. Verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, and he will, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, but now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken... Nor his seed begging bread. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And even as I quote this verse, and it is Bible, I have ringing in my own head and in my own heart. The scripture says, There's none good. No, not one. Nobody's good. Remember when uh, the, 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 the man came to Jesus and he said, uh, Good master. And the Lord said, Why do you call me good? There's none good but God. You see, that young man didn't realize he was talking to God. And he said, Why are you calling me good? Do you believe that I am God? You see, because the first step, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And the first step is the step of salvation. You see, if you're here the mor- this morning and you even have any thoughts or hopes or desires of walking worthy with the Lord throughout your life, incidentally, that He gave to you, You see, I believe that God creates every individual. And excuse me for straying just a little bit, but regardless of what you think about the person, wasn't it thrilling to hear our president go to the March for Life and stand up and say what he said? How blessed we are. We should pray for America. But the step of salvation, until you take that first step, you cannot begin your walk for the Lord and for His glory. I always reminisce. I've never gotten over what the Lord did for me. And as a little 11-year-old boy, for the first time, I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've told this story before over and over and over again. But I love to tell the story of what Jesus has done for me. You see, as far as I remember, I had never been to a church before until I was 11 years old. I grew up with my grandmother, who was incidentally a godly woman, but I don't think she went to church because I have no memory of going to church anywhere. But my mother remarried. She took me to live in a little coal camp, a coal mining town in the state of West Virginia called High Coal, H-I-G-H-C-O-A-L. And that little town had a church building, but no church. You know, a building doesn't make a church. And a church can exist without a building. Praise God for these facilities and the improvements that have happened over the last two years since I was here last. I thank God for the facility. The building is important, but it is not the church. There was that building sitting there and not being used at all. And God spoke to the heart of a young preacher, an assistant pastor in a town about 15 miles from where that little town was located. And he felt like God had led him there to start a church in that building. So in the month of June 1953, he went there with his wife to start a church. For two weeks, every night he preached the gospel. And for two weeks, every night, a little boy named Ronnie White was sitting in that service. And God was working in his heart. You see, my real father had deserted me before I was born. I was extremely poor and always felt like nobody wanted me and nobody loved me. But as I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ night after night after night, my heart as a little 11-year-old boy was stirred and moved. And on the last night of that meeting, June twenty-first, 1953, I was too shy to go forward, even in that little group of people. But after it was over, I was sitting outside on the steps, concrete steps going down the mountain. And if you're in West Virginia, you're either on the mountain or you're on the top of a mountain or at the foot of the mountain. That's the only three places you can be. (laughs) But I was sitting there on the steps, and Brother Fitzwater came out turned the lights out, a discouraged man probably, and almost tripped over me as I was sitting there on the steps. And he said, Ronnie, what are you doing here? Why are you still here? And I looked up at him and I said, because I want to be saved. And he sat down and with his Bible led me to Christ using his flashlight. I don't know why he didn't turn the light back on, but he (laughs) didn't. He used his flashlight and led me to the Lord. And I trusted Jesus Christ As a little 11-year-old boy. You see, the first step is the step of salvation. And if you haven't taken that first step, I would encourage you to take that step today. Whosoever, as I quoted in Japanese, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, that's everybody and anybody, anywhere, who will call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. That first step step of salvation now I could go on and tell you the rest of the story I hate to use up my own time but God was good that man stayed there and preached week after week for a little over a year but people didn't come and finally in discouragement he decided to go somewhere else and he left there and telling his preacher friends I just do not understand. I was so sure that God had led me there to start that church. But there was nobody saved except one little boy. And that one little boy was me. You see, God is good. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You see, little did I realize that God even then was preparing me for what He was going to use me to do in the future. Because Japan is not an easy place to plant a church. Many times we passed out 30,000, 40,000, even 50,000 invitations to church and nobody show up. It can be discouraging. But over and over, when I got discouraged, the Lord would remind me, I took a whole year out of a a young preacher and his wife's life just to reach one little boy. Maybe you could give your life to reach one Japanese for the glory of Christ. You see, God knows what he's doing. And the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The first step is the step of faith, the step of salvation, trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. You see, because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And the scripture says there's none good, not even one. The only hope we have of claiming goodness is to have the vicarious goodness of Jesus Christ given to us. He was made sin for us. He who knew no sin was made sin for us, what that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So in the beginning, when we say the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, we must first admit that there is no goodness within ourselves. I'm a sinner deserving eternal damnation in hell. But Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And even as a little 11-year-old boy, I realize that little ones to him belong. And in spite of our weakness, he can make us strong. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you taken that first step of being able to walk worthy of the Lord? The next step I would call the step of uh, following, the step of submission. You see, it begins by a willingness to follow the Lord in that first step of obedience and that's to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. You know, there are those who try to tell us that that there's some kind of saving merit in following the Lord in baptism. There's not. But that does not diminish the importance of baptism. Yes, Mark 16, 15 says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And some would say, well, see, that means you have to be baptized or you can't be saved. No, you have to be saved or you can't be baptized. See, that's what it's really saying. It's just a meaningless ritual unless you've truly trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. But because we shy away from, even in missions conferences, using that verse, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We don't remind people that he that believeth not shall be damned. Damned. You see, the first step is the step of faith bringing salvation. And then we follow with the next steps and the first of those is following the Lord in believer's baptism. I've seen many, many times people who are disowned by their families because they follow the Lord in believer's baptism. I've seen persecution beyond the ability to explain in words because people were willing to step out of their false religion and identify with believers in Jesus Christ and join the church and follow Him. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And then the step of service Doing what God would have you to do. Often, young people, and as I get older, I get even more questions. How did you know that God wanted you to be a missionary? How did you know that God wanted you to go to Japan? How can I know the will of God? And I used to struggle with that because I really did want to help young people. But there's not a concrete answer. The only real answer is, well, you just know. And I can't explain it. But my answer now has changed a little bit. I said, well, it's simple. How can you know the will of God? Well, just do it. If you know what you're supposed to do today and you're not doing that, why on earth would God reveal what He wants to do with your whole life? Because you're probably not going to do that either. You see, doing the will of God and knowing the will of God is a step-by-step progress in your life. The steps of a good man ordered by the Lord. Oh, how well I remember when I was just a little 12-year-old boy in a camp in the hills again of West Virginia because that's where I grew up. We went there. I went to camp against the wishes of my parents. Didn't think I was going to get to go, but on the Sunday morning of the day they left for camping on Sunday afternoon, the pastor came to me and he said, Ronnie. Would you like to go to camp? And I thought, well, what's he doing? That's almost a cruel statement because he knows I can't go. (laughs) I said, well, I sure would. He said, well, somebody's offered to pay your way. If you want to go, be here at 3 o'clock this afternoon. I hitchhiked back to my house, which was about 15 miles away, put some clothes in a brown paper sack, wrote a little note to my mother that said, I have gone to camp. Now, young people don't do that. Don't do that. But in my own heart at that age, I knew that if I tried to find them and ask permission, they'd say no. So I went to camp. Got there, and what was supposed to be a four-night camp ended up being a 12-night camp because the flood came the Great Flood of 1954 in West Virginia. And our mountaintop camp became an island. And people couldn't get in and people couldn't get out. So I thought, well, great. I don't want to get out. I want to stay here as long as I can. And great, my stepdad can't get in to come and get me. So it was wonderful. But there at that camp, I heard a missionary for the first time in my life.
1: I don't know what his name
2: was. I'm looking forward to finding out when I get to heaven. I don't know what his name, I don't know what he preached about. All I know is that at the close of that, our youth director, who incidentally later became my father-in-law, our youth director got up and said, Young people, you, I think we ought to give this an offering to this missionary. And he said, he's going to be here. I'm going to put a box here in the front of the, of the pulpit. And if you have something you want to give, you put it in that box. I remember sitting back there on that little bench. In that, that It was actually a hunting lodge where we had our camp. And I said, Lord, I don't have any money. I don't have anything to give. But I went forward. And instead of putting something in the box, I knelt down in front of it. And I said, Lord, I don't have anything to give, but if you take it, if you'll take it, I'll give you me. And lo and behold, he took it. (laughs) He took and he'll do the same for you. You see, that step of submission to the will of the God who not only created you, but the God who provided for your eternal salvation can change your whole life. The step of submission, which is actually a continual entrance into the walk with Jesus Christ as your Savior. I wish I had more time to tell you of all that God has done since that first submission. But I must move on to the next verse. And it talks about, Though he fall, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, but the stumblings of a good man are also ordered by the Lord. If you fail, and incidentally you will, I've failed him over and over and over again. But he's never once failed me. I, have in a sense, sought to depart from him, but he never once forsook me. I was forsaken by my earthly father, but my heavenly father has never forsaken me. You see, looking at the verse, sometimes I think the Lord allows us to fail so that He can teach us that we need Him more than we need anything else. Though He fail, He shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth Him with His hand. You see first thing we realize is that stumbling provides help in our lives stumbling also produces humility in our lives and also stumbling places us in his hands secure you remember when peter boastful proud peter was in that boat and the storm came And they were all so desperately afraid. And all at once off in the distance, they saw what they first thought was a ghost. And as it came closer, they were afraid. And Jesus said, fear not, it's I. I'm the one that's coming to you. Don't worry, it's me. And in every storm of life, if you'll look closely, you'll always see that the Lord is coming to help you in that storm. But Peter in his boldness said, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come to you on the water. You see, in spite of his pride... He knew that if that were really the Lord, not only could the Lord walk on water, but the Lord could help him to walk on water. If it's really you, and over and over again through these 55 plus years as a missionary, I've had to look out and say, Lord, if it's you. I don't know, some of you that have been in ministry, did you ever come to the place where you said, what on earth? Have I got myself into now? What am I going to do now? And we have to look and we say, Lord, if it's you that's brought me into this, it's an impossible task for me. But if it's you, bid me to come to you. And Peter's gotten so much criticism in preaching because he sank in the water. As far as I know, Up to this day, he's the only man other than Jesus who ever walked on water. The other 11 disciples were still in the boat. And when I hear people talking about the failures of missionaries and and how that they've stopped and they've quit, I usually say, especially if I'm preaching to other preachers, be careful. Don't criticize the man that sank in the water if you've never gotten out of the boat. Without me, he told his disciples, you can do nothing. But if it is me, like Paul said, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You see, the failures, the stumblings, the sinkings of a good man are still ordered by the Lord. And you're in His hands. But in closing this morning, I want to take the last few moments of the time that we have on the next verse. I have been young, but now am. And I like to change that. And you shouldn't change the Word of God but I like to change the word old to older. <laughs> I have been young, and now I'm older. You see, my, gran- my mother-in-law gave me some good advice many years ago. She said, it's great to get older, but don't ever get old. And I would encourage some of you who are here, as your, your earthly age Begins to increase. Don't ever get old. You have eternal life. One of these days, this body that's giving you trouble now is going to change. And it's going to be a glorified body. So don't quit now. Don't become a used to be. Oh, I used to sing in the choir. Oh, I used to be in the... the, You go out on visitation. Oh, I used to teach Sunday school. Don't ever become a used to be. Always stay a gonna be. And did you know that as a little 12-year-old boy, my life verse at that time became Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by, by the mercies of God... You present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As a 12 year old boy, I presented my body as a living sacrifice. But about, I guess it's been maybe four, maybe five years by now. Time goes by so quickly, the older you get. I was preaching a missions conference in Richwood, West Virginia. And I told the story of camp. And three people in the congregation interrupted my message and said, Brother White, that camp is still there. So after that, on Tuesday, the pastor took me to Camp Splinter on the Cranberry River in the hills of West Virginia. And there it was, the cabins were gone, but that old lodge was still there, it was boarded up. And there was a caretaker that was there. And I said, is there any way you could let me go inside of there? So he tore off some of the boards and I went inside I was 70 plus, I don't remember exactly how old. And there it was, that same room with the same benches. And as a 70, I think I was 72 at that time. I'm 78 right now. Maybe I was 73. But I got down on my knees in approximately the same place and said, Lord, I don't have the strength I had when I was a young man. But I'm right now renewing my commitment and giving my body as a living sacrifice if you'll take it. And lo and behold, he took it. <laughs> he took You see, the miracle that day that that little boy gave his lunch to feed over 5,000 people, was not that Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread. He didn't need that bread. He could turn the stones to bread if he wanted to. And if you don't believe that, you don't have as much faith as the devil. Because that's one of the temptations the devil tried to get him to do. Lord, turn these stones to bread. And he knew he could do it. But he didn't. So he didn't need that bread. You see the real miracle was not what he did but it's what he used to do it with. When that little boy gave his lunch to the Lord a little insignificant lad with a totally insufficient lunch gave it to an incomprehensible Lord. And then he went home with with totally incomprehensible leftovers because he gave it to the Lord. You see, if you will give what you have to the Lord, he can always use it. He can always make it into what it needs to be to do what he wants to do with it. So it's not what you have it's what you do with it. And every one of you have a life whether you're in your teenage years or whether you're in your closing years of life. You still have a body, this body. This body that's weak and getting older and older and older I still have the responsibility to to give that body as a living sacrifice to Jesus Christ and to do whatever He wants me to do with it. And incidentally, He has the right to interrupt your life anytime He wants to. Done a great job so far, but guess what? You're going to be doing something else. Wait a minute, Lord. Maybe you've never been there, but I have. When my wife went to be with the Lord, I thought everything was over. But it wasn't. I remember one of the last things Odessa said to me. She looked at me and she said, You do know that I've finished everything God wants me to do, don't you? And it's His will that I go to heaven to be with Him. But if you want me to, I'll stay. I looked at her and I remembered when she was a teenager in a Youth for Christ meeting in Beckley, West Virginia. She went forward and gave her life to do whatever God wanted her to do with it. The day she was diagnosed with her pancreatic cancer and given less than six months to live, she said, well, I gave my life to the Lord when I was a teenager. It's His. He can do whatever He wants to with it. Now, I didn't feel that way. I said, no, no. But I had known her since I was 12 years old and loved her since I was 12 years old. And I'd never known her to consciously go against the will of God in her life. So when she was saying to me at that time, it's his will that I go, but if you want me to, I'll stay. In fight of in spite of every fiber of my being, wanted her to stay. I couldn't say it. And I said, first thing I said was, honey, are you sure? And she said, oh yes, I'm sure. And I said, well, okay. It's fine. And she said, oh, thank you. Let me show you the verse God gave me this morning. It was in John 17, verse 24. Father, I will that those whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. And she said, with joy in her heart and and, and tears on her face, she said, that was my verse today that God gave me. And two days later, she was in his presence, You see, the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord all the way through. And, you know, so point number one, I will remind you, is that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Point number two, and thank God for this, even the stumblings of a good man are ordered by the Lord. But finally, in closing, the seasons of a good man. Are ordered by the Lord. You know, life has its seasons, just like our weather has its seasons. We have our youth, we have our our teenage years, we have our young adult life, we have our middle adult life, we have, uh, and we hang on to that longer than we should. People at, at uh, ages of sixty will say, "I'm I'm in my, my you know I'm in my mid age." Well, if that's true, you're going to live to your 120. So, <laughs> But even in the waning years, as Dr. Sisk just finished recently his book on overtime, the fourth quarter, you know, the Scripture gives us, you know, four score and ten. Three score and ten, I'm sorry which is basically 70 years old. And then it goes on to say, if by reason of strength, we get 10 more years. And that strength comes from the Lord. But even after that, God is still in control. The seasons of a good man, wherever you are in life. You see, young people, and not so young people really, There are only two things you can do with your life. You can give it away or you can throw it away. But you can't keep it. And remember, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The stumblings of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And then... The seasons of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of every child of God are ordered by the Lord. Say, Lord, what would you have me do? And then obey his word. If you will seek to walk his way, you'll be his delight. As you delight yourself in him, he'll give you all that's right. If you do seek to walk his way... There will be times you stumble, but he'll uphold you with his hands and also keep you humble. Once I was young, but now I'm old. My life is nearly done. My time has flown so quickly by. It seems I've just begun. Now, you are young, but we'll be old." Don't waste one hour or minute. Remember, God, while you are young, find His path and walk in it. Don't throw away this life you have. Such loss you can't afford. The steps of every child of God are ordered by the Lord. Pastor, would you come and close
0: the service? us bow our heads and close our eyes together. and as the piano plays, uh, some verses of invitation. I think <clears throat> it's been laid out very clear for us this morning. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, that's the first step you need to take. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, we'd love to help you take that step. As you trust in Him. As the piano plays, if you like to trust Christ as your Savior, uh, feel free to just slip up here and I'll take you and have somebody take God's Word and show you how you can be saved. But for many this morning, you've taken that step, but you're somewhere further down the path. And whatever God would have you do today, I pray that you do it. Let's all stand to our feet. If you're able, join us. and I'm going to pray And if God's leading you to do something this morning. Would you come, whether it's come pray here, get right with somebody, commit something to the Lord, let's do that. Father, help us now, work in our hearts, we thank you for the great challenge we've heard this morning. May we be faithful to walk worthy of the Lord. In Jesus' name I pray.